Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast Network Asia. There's just something that's different around me. And seeing life through another lens of having to be careful not allowed to do these things, watching TV for more than an hour during the day, growing up with the idea I might never be able to drive a car, go diving or rock climbing or riding a horse. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. there. So glad you have joined me today on this episode on mental health and emotional well-being. And I have with me to chat about this very relevant topic, someone who has previously been on PLM, Anna Fries, who is our guest today. Hailing from the serene landscapes of Bali, Indonesia, Anna has embraced the philosophy of slow living, infusing intention, and authenticity into every aspect of her life be it through practicing yoga or navigating the realms of digital communication and marketing as her own boss. Anna was with us last season to talk about slow living, an episode that got some great traction and reactions from listeners. In our conversation today, which I expect to be very insightful, as my conversations with Anna always are, we will explore Anna's journey and the very interesting work that she is doing in the realm of mental health. We will discover the driving force behind her passion for this very important field of work and hear about her personal experiences with mental health struggles. Anna will also share her perspectives on emotional dysregulation, the warning signs that often precede mental health challenges. Now, one topic that has captivated my attention over the last decade is the connection between our childhood experiences and the way we handle our emotions. I've noticed that the way we were taught or not taught in childhood plays a significant role in our ability to regulate our emotions effectively. Anna will graciously share her own experiences, shedding light on how her childhood shaped her emotional landscape and influenced her journey towards emotional regulation and balance. Now, emotional regulations is a skill that many of us struggle with, especially when our emotions feel overwhelming and out of control. 
Anna will impart her wisdom and offer practical tips on how to navigate those moments when our emotions seem to have a mind of their own. So join me as we unpack the key aspects of mental health, emotional dysregulation, and the transformative power of intentional self-expression. It's so wonderful to have you back on Project Loving Myself, Anna. Hi, Sanaya. Thank you so much for inviting me back to this place and space. I'm so excited to be here today. You know, Anna, we had such a great conversation the last time you were on. We talked about slow living. And I remember that for weeks afterwards, I really practiced some of the you know, tips that you shared about slow living. And I think that if I could get so much out of it, then anyone listening in probably will get a lot more out of today's conversation. So let's go ahead and get started. I have my first question, which is, you know, mental health. You've been telling me about this work that you're doing in mental health, and I want to know more about it. So tell me what's been going on there. Yeah, a lot has happened since we last spoke um, or since I was last on the podcast. A lot has shifted. I actually feel like, I think it's like six, seven months later, I feel like I'm a completely new human, to be honest. Mental health was a big topic for me in the last eight, nine months in particular. And I got strongly engaged in setting up and building my own my own project around it. As you know, from the past, we met working on UFEST back during the pandemic, offering mental health support for our Filipinos, fellow Filipinos in in lockdown in the Philippines. I moved onwards with working with Maxine Magalona on a little platform called The Soul Space, which was aiming at a similar audience, offering our own spiritual practices, spiritual intentions, how to support our mental health better. And I have evolved into creating a platform over these last four months in particular, inspired by a course that I've been attending with the Harvard Medical School in Boston um, called Media and Medicine, which was, um, by the way, an incredible course, and I can only recommend it was about bringing forward a social issue or a medical issue of our time through the help of specific media or modality. And I created, with the support of this course and this wonderful faculty, um, my own platform called Shuttering Stigma, and it focuses on illuminating mental health and nursing in the Philippines. So what I'm creating here at the moment is a digital platform, a digital experience that provides a place and a space for nurses to be seen, to be heard, to share their stories, their personal stories in the context of where they are at post-pandemic. So to give you a little bit more of a context, what I am specifically developing at the moment as a program that allows nurses in the Philippines to show the conditions and the circumstances of their work environments and how it affects their mental health at the moment. And with this, I am working with a modality called participatory photography, which is basically a photographic journey that enables and allows participants to own, share, and narrate their own stories, what they're going through, showing their realities and their their perspectives. Participatory photography has been a wonderful advocacy tool in the last three decades in particular to create awareness around social issues, in particular for marginalized communities and groups. There are many wonderful examples how this tool has helped to literally illuminate 
the situation around certain stories. And based on this, with the content and the workshops that I am aiming to conduct in the Philippines, I am intending to fill this platform for it to become a hub from nurses for nurses. I aim to expand it into a podcast. I aim to expand it um, through further publications to go globally. This is growing into a concept and ca that can also be applied to literally every country in the world. Nurses are in very challenging situations globally. Ever since the pandemic, there is a massive shortage in the nursing world. There's less support in hospital. Nurses are underpaid, undervalued, overworked in general. There's very little mental health support. And so there has been this calling coming from a from a very challenged place myself in the last few months to go actively into supporting specific groups with mental health. Now, why nurses, Anna? Like, what is the driving force behind this endeavor to, you know, shed light or illuminate the social issue that they're currently facing? You know, how did you get to this particular advocacy? That's my first question. And I have a follow-up question to that, but go ahead and let me know. You know, I want to know why nurses. That came through a simple personal conversation. I have a close friend. She is a VP of a, a staffing and recruiting company that deploys Filipino nurses to the United States. And we were catching up in Manila last year in November, and um, we were talking about mental health. She was curious about this whole space. She was curious to hear about my past because we hadn't seen each other in four years throughout the pandemic, and we had met in Bali. And um, so she was sharing what she was doing. And in that conversation, because it was all about mental health, she basically brought up that she, she has this nurse accelerator group where they support nurses in their process of licensing, registration, getting the visa to get deployed to the U.S. In that group, there were voices coming through that... One of the main needs that they, the nurses have at this point in time in the process of working, but also in the process of transitioning, was support, support mentally, support for burnout, support for depression. There was, there's been so much going on in our world in the last few years. There's so much anxiety out there. People don't know how to navigate. And so when she shared about that, my ears got big and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. This is a very specific group I had never thought about. And so I just thought to myself, well, why not? We need nurses. Nurses are who run our hospitals. And that was, that was so visible in the pandemic years. So it just was a pull. It was a pull. It was something that just prompted me. And here we are. I chose this as a project. It's so interesting because mm -hmm. over the pandemic, I actually had a lot of nurses come in and book sessions or join my meditations, or we did a lot of activities during the pandemic to support the frontliners and also in general, you know, helping anyone who needed that support at that time. And um, a lot of nurses came to me as clients and continue to work with me, which is quite interesting that you are doing an entire project with nurses. Now, when I work with nurses, it's not for me in particular, it's not like they're a nurse and therefore they're going to through mental health or burnout or so on. For me, it's like, oh, well, it's them and pretty much the majority of people, you know, are going through 
this kind of mental health challenge or stress. And I do agree that the pandemic has definitely created the circumstances where there's a lot more uh, pressure um, for people working in the medical community. It's been harder for them. So I do recognize that there's a growing need and it has been a long time coming since the pandemic that nurses definitely need the support. But in general, I do feel that this is a problem most people are facing. I see more women talking about it because they're more vocal about it and it's more acceptable for women to talk about, you know, mental health issues and less, of course, men uh, feeling comfortable to, to discuss this topic. But definitely it's something that is very, very widespread. So what are your thoughts about mental health in general and where it is today? It's a conversation we need to have. And we've been having this conversation for years and we need to continue to have this conversation. Mental health is in a place that is still highly stigmatized in many parts of the world. As I transition the world, I see that it's there to different degrees. The stigma is around to different degrees. Living in Asia, particularly being in the Philippines, being in Indonesia, we are in a place and in a space where mental health is highly disregarded, where it's not really being considered. And mental health is a part of our holistic health. If we speak about health, we don't only talk about our physical health. We need to have these conversations throughout all the layers and segments of societies. There is the misconception of being called crazy. Like that is that is just still there. And that's an old story. We're in 2023. It's really time to rewrite that. It's really time to understand that mental health is something to be normalized. And so how do we remove the stigma? I mean, this is a question many organizations out there are trying to tackle all over the world. I happen to know a few that are trying to be part of the conversation in the Philippines, right? And we got to talk about it. We got to share the commonality of it. We got to show the humanity of it. We got to share stories that brought us to mental health problems in the first place. We have to make people feel that there is nothing terribly wrong with them if they go through that. We need to show that we are also not alone with it because having been through my own journey with it, it feels like such a lonely, scary, and dark place. But in fact, it's not because there are so many that are in that place as well. We need to own this. We need to own our own narratives with our own mental health. We need to share so people feel less isolated and deficient. Because in one way or another, we all go through these stages of having mental health challenges. I mean, where does it even start? You know, mental health is not. It's not an individual story only. It's a structural story. It's a societal story, context that need to be considered. Very often in approaching mental health, we're only looking at individual mental health. But it's not only the single person. It What gets left out of, I find, um, what often gets left out is all the things that also affect mental health. That could be poverty, that could be trauma, that could be the general fate and stories of people's life, abuse stories, childhood stories. So if we were to actually reflect on why people are struggling, we really have to take hard looks on how societies are built, how people think, and not just only what's wrong with people on a personal level, right? So, so it's this and it's that. <clears throat> I think that's really interesting, the point you bring up, that 
it's really not about one person in isolation and it's really about communities. And as you were talking about that and pointing that out, it, you know, came to mind that yes, you've got mental health issues with kids in school. You know, we do have a problem with um, kids being bullied, uh, kids, you know, there's suicide, there's all kinds of challenges that kids are facing. And that is a mental health issue. You know, we have mental health issues when it comes to women who are in abusive relationships. That's a mental health issue, right? We have people who are struggling in their marriages. Um, maybe it's, it may not be abusive, but it could be, you know, other things that are challenging them. And those are mental health. So pretty much mental health is something that is in every aspect of our life. And it's not about talking about one person and their story, but really talking about what's happening in different communities, which I guess now makes more sense as you talk about nurses and their predicament and the plight that they're, you know, that they have right now where there is very limited support and access to tools to help them. And that kind of now I feel like takes better shape and form um, for me as, I, as I'm listening to you. But tell me something, Anna, like you're quite passionate about the topic. I can hear it, right? You feel, it feels like there is definitely something personal for you here. There's a stake of your own. So tell me about your experiences with mental health. What are the things that you have had to, you know, tackle or deal with that might have perhaps given you the experience and the sensitivity to be able to work with this particular challenge for other people. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I just quickly wanted to add on to, to your previous comment by, you know, by focusing on nurses, I also, I'm not excluding any anybody else. It's just that we got to start somewhere, right? And so this particular group of society or of humans just stood out for me to focus on in the first place. In the end, everything that I'm developing, creating at the moment to be launched by the end of the year or the beginning of next year is hopefully something that you can apply to basically any kind of marginalized group. Coming to my own mental health story um, or experience, as you know, I live in Bali. So I live in a place that allows me or gives me a lot of opportunities to really turn my gaze inward and explore and illuminate my own landscapes, my own emotional world, my own emotional underworld, how I sometimes like to call it. Um, I've become a very inquisitive person growing up, also facing several traumas during my childhood, 
trying to understand why am I who I am now and what am I becoming and how can I influence that? And um, I've had two bigger stories around mental health in my life. The first one was when I was 17 years old. I had a meltdown, a breakdown in the middle of New York City during a summer holiday, triggered by the news that my mom and I had just received that one of my titas, one of my aunties, had passed away from ovarian cancer. That activated something deeper within me around fear related to death, around loss, around grief. That led me into my first first big depression at 17. When I got back home to Germany, where I was living, where I was growing up, yeah, I was diagnosed with a mild mild stage of depression based on a lot of things growing up as a teenager, all these questions around identity. And one of the biggest topics of my life is the fact that I had lost my father at four years old. So I grew up basically missing the most important male person in my life, losing the most important male relationship in my life. And so the topic of death and grief has been something that has been accompanying me throughout all my life in different narratives, angles, perspectives, always also opening up opportunities and ways to get deeper into my story around grief and loss and how do I handle that and how do I tackle that. The most recent event, I should call it, was that I had been struggling with my own mental health over the past nine months. It started last year in October, and I don't even understand fully how life led me there, but it was then that triggered through a not very kind and nice breakup earlier this year that I really fell into a very dark pit. And it activated and it brought up a big story that was related to the loss of my father around abandonment and, yeah, disappearing and having to face loss. And so it was a place I hadn't found myself in for two decades. It was a place that was incredibly debilitating and numbing. And I woke up over the course of eight weeks every morning with really strong anxiety. And it was so numbing that I couldn't act upon anything or I couldn't do anything for at least three hours every morning. So the first thing I was able to do was get myself out of bed and go for long walks. By around 9 a.m., I always get up at 6, by around 9 a.m., I was put together to literally face my day, but it was not easy to push through. And parallel, I had started working on this project. So I had signed up for this course. And it was very interesting to see how coming from my own place of mental health, focusing and looking at mental health and creating something for others became part of my own therapy in some ways, because I could relate. I could relate so strongly from where I was at that these conversations that I kept on having with nurses, policymakers, with governors, with creative people around mental health really created a stage for for more healing, for more vulnerability, for co-creation. And it, it was one of the things that actually helped me through these past few months. And aside from having therapy and really going deep into what I had to look at, what was coming to the surface. And in many ways, I see all of this as a blessing. It was not a beautiful story. It was not the most beautiful time of my life, but it felt very real. It felt very vulnerable. It It brings me to a place that now where I am at, just four months later, 
I'm in a good place. I'm in a very confident place. I'm in a place where I'm like, yeah, I like this person who's coming out of this now because I really made the decision from the first moment where things were happening for me that I'm going to stay with this. I'm going to sit through the storm because I've known and I've experienced throughout my life that when you do this, you'll come out to the other side and there will be sunlight. There will be joy. There will be the ability to feel the other end of the spectrum. And I've made it. I really have. So, you know, Anna, it's so beautiful because you literally took what I wanted to share right out of my mouth, you know, because I didn't know that, you know, I know you, you had a pretty, you know, difficult breakup. I know about that. I didn't know how the work you've been doing has helped you come out of it. So that's so interesting because I was going to share a story about that. Now, before I, I share that story, though, I do want to say that according to the British Journal of General Practice, okay, approximately half or more people will relapse after one depression episode. And every time you have an episode of depression, the relapse rate, the chances that you will have depression again, goes up you know, with so 70% and 90% and so on. And so it's very interesting to me because I'm hearing more and more about people that have had these depression episodes, which means they're more likely to encounter it again. And that tells us how important it is to work through depression the very first time to make sure it is not something that keeps happening over the course of your life. I've also, in my experience, encountered more and more younger people coming to me with issues of depression. So, you know, it is really so relevant that we are talking about this today, whether we are a parent, you know, and we have to watch out for the signs in our children, whether we are going through our own challenges, and whether we can make an impact on people who are suffering through depression. I also you know, I think it's very interesting that you've related how the second major episode for you of depression had to do with a really bad breakup. And that's something also very common, except people don't see the morning a breakup or getting over a breakup. They don't see it as that's an, an episode of depression. They just think they are kind of struggling with the breakup. Uh, I know someone who's been struggling for years over a breakup. And you wouldn't quite think that, that that's an episode of depression, but it probably is. And it's stemming from other episodes of depression that, you know, we may not have ever recognized as being that. So I'm so glad that you shared uh, that story as well. Now, coming to my story that was come, that came to mind, and then you, you told me about your healing. So it was just perfect. So I have, um, you know, I go to someone who colors my hair. He's been doing my hair color a little bit towards kind of around the pandemic, I guess he started doing my hair. And so I watched this person who um, does my hair, how he's grown. Every time I see him, it's a gap of like, you know, four months, six months, sometimes a year. And every time I see him, you know, I can see his evolution as a person. And when he first started doing my hair, you know, he was going through a lot of challenges in his life and he was struggling. Um, there was kind of like a relationship issue and other things going on. And inadvertently, you know, I was coaching him as he's coloring my hair, which is what I end up doing with most people that I talk to is the, you know, the coach or the healer in me just comes out. And so what was really interesting to me is the last time he came to me, he was talking about how there's a friend of his that suffered a stroke, a really bad stroke. And 
he doesn't have anybody to care for him. Okay. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of just a friend or a neighbor. I can't remember the details, but he did tell me about this, this guy who had suffered a stroke and he had no family or anyone to be there for him. So my stylist decided that he was going to be the one to help him. Okay. And I was like, wow, it's so beautiful. You know, and I, and I just asked him a couple of questions because I knew there was something in his own story that must have, you know, must explain why he was doing that. And it came to light that he himself feels like he has no family. And what he sees in this other person is himself because he's like, someday I will be all alone and something might happen to me and who's going to take care of me. And so that's kind of his own, I would say, motivating factor is in in a way he's helping someone and it's kind of like he sees himself in this other person. And what was really interesting is he told me about this in the last appointment. It's been maybe about four months since he's come to, since I've, I've um, had him done my hair. And this time he is just, I can feel like his energy is just so positive. He's in such a good place. He's smiling. He's just so much lighter. And I was asking him, I was like, how's that person that you're, you know, I remember your friend and you're taking care of him. He's like, yeah, you know, he's doing this and now he can raise, he can feel these things. And like every win that his friend has in recovering from stroke is my stylist's personal win. He's like, oh my God, he could do this. And you know, I've been doing lots of reading and I read about Mm -hmm. how mushrooms are really good. So I started to add Mm -hmm. mushrooms into his diet and I was giving him my own suggestions of what supplements that he could also add in. And he's like, yeah, now I'm helping you. We're working on seeing how we can get him to Canada to get treatment. And honestly, I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. But Mm -hmm. more importantly, I recognized his friend became his project. Okay. Mm-hmm. And as he was supporting and helping this person, who, by the way, he wasn't very close to, okay, before the stroke, all right? So this is really out of his, you know, comfort zone. This is really going out of his way for somebody. But I noticed that as he's helping this other person, somehow, energetically, he's been helping himself, Okay. Yes. And I think I believe that that is exactly the reason why he's doing so well. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him and he said, you know, Sanaya, like, I just feel so happy. I feel so good. I, you know, all those like feelings of like doubt and, you know, anger or discomfort, whatever I was feeling before in my life, they're gone. I just feel so grateful and I feel so good in my life and I feel so happy. And, you know, this is the power of helping other people. Okay. This exactly. is the power of making an impact, making a difference is like, even if you help one person, you help, you know, 10 people, you help hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, as you mm-hmm. help others, you are helping yourself. You know, you're coaching yourself, you're counseling yourself. And I believe, you know, as he sees himself in this person that he's helping, I think He's giving himself all the love and support through this other person, which is just incredible. So honestly, you know, in case he listens in on this podcast, I have to say, I really admire what you're doing. Mm. But back to our conversation, (laughs) Anna. So I kind of see this happening with you too, is, you know, Mm. in this project that you're doing, 
I do feel there's a lot of inner healing for you too. There is. I mean, you know, there is so much medicine in giving, definitely. And it's, but it's also giving in a way that it's, it's not distracting me from myself either. It actually allows me to be more connected to what I am going through, to really sift through it, go through the, I love to always say, go through the good and the bad lentils, just, you know, what is relevant, relevant, what is not. And it is just an understanding that we're all in the same boat. We're never alone with what we're going through. And it really fuels compassion, compassion for others and compassion for myself. And that was one of the key factors that I really met all of a sudden. I looked back at my own story and I was like, oh my God, of course. Of course you feel this way because it could not be different. Like I, all of a sudden there was this wave of compassion I had for myself and it it just takes off the edges. It just takes off the harshness that I had for myself. Why are you feeling this way? You've got to show up. you got to do this. It just tones down your your inner critiques and understanding that you have the choice and the ability to help others makes mental health also become less personal. Like it empowers you to to share from a place of understanding and, a com- and of compassion. And, you know, maybe these things happen to us because we are meant to come to places where we have to reach out to others. And so there's a certain magic in that. And it allows me to be at peace with everything that has happened, including the story of a breakup that in the end was never about the breakup itself. It was pointing to things I had to look at that were decades old that were maybe even generational who knows you know and so there's peace and that's a good place to be and i think that's pretty much the tip hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com The first tip that you have shared already is the self-compassion, which is a very powerful one, is that if we can be kind to ourselves, if we don't, you know, if we aren't critical of every feeling we're having, of every thought we're thinking or our behaviors, and we can be a lot more compassionate, then we don't have to get to a point where things are just out of our control, you know, that we can't help ourselves anymore. So I think definitely that was something very valuable to share, that we have to learn to be more compassionate uh, with ourselves. Now, Anna, tell me about your childhood, okay? Because 17 is, is pretty early to have depression, at least, you know, of course, it's a lot more commonplace now post-pandemic. But in your life, we're talking about, you know, way back when, right? So what do you think contributed to that? Like what was going on uh, for you that led to that episode? And I know you mentioned you lost your father at four. And I do understand mm-hmm. the abandonment issues. My husband lost his father at four. So you actually share that same experience. And I know how much it has affected him in so many ways that even surprise us until today. So tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. It really is a surprise when it hits you all of a sudden, still 34 years later. So, I mean, 
the loss of my father was the key, the key event in my life for sure. It is also I I was born and raised in Germany. My mom is from the Philippines, as you know. My dad German, German American, and um, I've basically been most of my life in a very isolated space related to my family. My family was in the Philippines. My family was in the States. I did have family in Germany. I was close close with as well, but it was mostly after my dad passed away, just my mom and me. And so there was always a sense of, I didn't know where I belonged. Now that can be a cultural thing, being made of three cultures. And we had that conversation in the last podcast. Where do we belong? Where do I belong? Is definitely based on that. But it was also the, the lack of having my family around, having the peers around, having the people around that looked like me. Um, a year after my dad passed away, I, I got sick. I had seizures and I was diagnosed with epilepsy. So I had been with that diagnosis for about 11 years until I was 16 years old. So that added on to my life experience of there's just something that's different around me. And seeing life through another lens of having to be careful, not allowed to do these things, watching TV for more than an hour during the day, growing up with the idea I might never be able to drive a car, go diving or rock climbing or riding a horse because you never know how it could be that seizures might hit you. Luckily, I outgrew that condition by the time I was 16 years old. I was seizure-free from 10 years old. And I had a form of childhood epilepsy that allowed me to, or that basically went away as I was moving through my teenage years. But still, it's just something that lingered and made me understand that as humans, we are very vulnerable. We're going to die eventually. You know, there's just always something that you, you feel invincible. You feel super healthy growing up. But there's just there was just this other piece of information. Then I didn't have a great relationship to my mother. I was a daddy's girl. So that definitely informed things, too. It brought me into a place you know, coming from, you know, experiencing abandonment, so to speak, through the loss of one parent brought me into a place of wanting to be in high overachiever. I was aiming for amazing grades. I always wanted to be the perfect girl, the pretty girl. I wanted to, I had to go into that story of otherwise I'm not worthy to be loved. Otherwise I'm not worthy that my other parents going to be there. Like that was a big bird and a big programming I was carrying. So I really turned into this, yeah, not always grade A's, but really good grades and wanting to do all the things and wanting to go abroad and wanting to be DMO of something one day and all, you know, all the things I'm not nowadays. And at the same time, I've always, I've always been a highly sensitive child. I've been very timid in my, in my very early years. So there was always this part of me that was exploring my inside world a lot. I'm also an only child. So I didn't really have a lot of opportunities to, to bounce what I was going through. I was going through my things on my own. And I naturally grew into someone that was very inquisitive around What's happening inside of me? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I thinking like this? I've always been very expressive through words, through writing. And um, these were my outlets. This is how I grew up. This is what made me. You know, Anna, <laughs> I, am. I did not know about the childhood seizures. That's something I didn't know about you. So it's definitely uh, very interesting to learn that about you. And 
what's even more interesting, I don't know if you've done any work with the seizures in terms of energetically or emotionally, but you talked about feeling disconnected and after your father's death also, um, so disconnected from your family, that was obviously something that had happened from Mm -hmm. the beginning, but you also talked about not feeling very connected to your mother, not having a great relationship there. A seizure, right, is basically, so we've got this electrical charge going through our brain, through our Mm -hmm. neural pathways, right, through the neurons in our brain. And imagine like a seizure is like you're, you like skipped a beat, right? Like there's a disconnection somewhere. And so the charge doesn't move through the brain like it's supposed to, the information that moves through our neural pathways. So there's a disconnection somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. And um, Mm -hmm. the second thing you mentioned was there was a lot of pressure to be like, the good grades or the pretty girl and all of that. And pressure is another quality that is connected to our brain. So what I'm essentially saying over here is I can totally see how your seizures were a manifestation of the emotions and the challenges that you were facing from childhood. Okay. And the reason why I wanted to kind of share that with you also is I work with depression quite a bit with people, as you know, Mm -hmm. mental health Mm -hmm. is definitely, you know, something that more and more people are recognizing they need help with. And it's always that way that there are traumatic events in our life, a lot of them from childhood, but it could also happen at different points in our life. A breakup, for example, could be a huge trigger. Um, relationships mm-hmm. that we have with uh, family members that aren't very, you know, very good relationships like our parent or so on, abandonment issues, like all of these different kinds of issues, right, are essentially the seeds of what eventually becomes a mental health issue like depression. And so I love that we are talking about this from that perspective is as I get an idea of your childhood. And what are the things that you went through and how this has manifested, you know, for you, you talked about your fear of death, A, of course, because you lost your father. Secondly, there's Mm -hmm. this whole isolation aspect because you're disconnected maybe from the culture, the identity or your family and friends. And so you've got the whole, you know, kind of disconnection happening as well in your brain with the, the seizures, which of course, amazingly that you've been able to grow out of. But you see how like everything is just a puzzle piece. And when we bring this exactly. together, it tells us it tells a story of us. It tells a story of who we are. And I think one of the biggest lessons I can share, you know, with others through my work is that anything you are dealing with on a mental health front is an unresolved issue from the past that wasn't addressed. Okay. And our body tried to communicate it to us through our emotions, but we couldn't understand Mm -hmm. it. We couldn't listen. We didn't have the tools or the adult wasn't present in our life to help us through it. Right. Because we are supposed to have adults around us that, you know, acknowledge us and support us and make us feel safe, but it isn't always the case because the adults in our life are going through their own challenges, as I'm sure your mom went through, right? And Absolutely. so that compassion that you have towards yourself, I'm sure has also helped you 
kind of work through some of those um, issues. But that's the thing, right? It's really about going back. And I love how beautifully you said it. You said that your breakup was really not about your breakup. Your breakup was about you and the things that you had to sort out, whether it was ancestral, you know, genetic or whatever it may have been, that was mm-hmm. on you. And, and that yeah. is just another, I would say, example of how important it is to be responsible for our own mental health journey as you have been. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how would you approach that? with in your in the work you're doing like how would you explain that or relay that when it comes to working with people on mental health because you are building a platform for this and so i'm sure you know part of what you're doing is to bring awareness to the situation but also to help people struggling with that so talk to me mm-hmm. about that well i First, they have to mention I'm, I'm not a therapist, right? So yeah. I'm not a professional in that field and I'm not offering any advice on and how to go about these things. Everything I share is based on my own experience and my own embodied experience, right? So my platform doesn't have the intention to be a therapist to anybody unless I invite therapists and facilitators in to take part um, in that and to contribute to that. But I think most importantly, I want to raise awareness around the importance of being vulnerable, being compassionate and sharing stories because it's as simple as that. But Anna, isn't that therapy? Isn't that a form of therapy? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting it on you that, you know, you have to be a therapist though. I feel like you do have a very strong healing vibe, but more than that, you know, you, you talk about photography and photography's art and Mm -hmm. art is therapy and sharing stories is. is one of the oldest forms of therapy correct so okay fair enough fair enough okay right? I shouldn't upend myself you are you're actually right <laughs> that's right I'm just you know just the disclaimer here um <laughs> but um you are actually right it is therapy I'm providing a space to share to talk to um to share your stories is a form of therapy on its own as it as it has proven to be for me in mm-hmm. just the last few months correct that's very true. I'm coming from a from this idea and approach of empowerment and participation. Um, participation because you get to you get to contribute and participate in your own story. This isn't only something that happens to you; it's also something that happens for you. You know, growing up with all of these things that I had just mentioned for such a long time, I thought this is just this is out of my hands, and yeah, it is out of my hands. But this is something I can grab and turn around for myself. This is something I can speak about. I mean, there were so many years in my life where I never shared that story of epilepsy because I was deeply ashamed of feeling different. There were years where I would never share that my dad had passed away because I found that shameful too. I was different. I was already different having a different skin color growing up in Germany, you know? So it's become imperative to me. I mean, storytelling, communications, it's my job. It's, it's, it's almost like I'm balancing that out now. And um, for me, Introducing different modalities such as photography or also eventually a podcast are tools and techniques that are meant to empower and enable a group like nurses or maybe other people to activate their voices, to step into their story, to own up to their story, to understand that there is choice, that I can make a contribution to whatever is happening out there in the world. 
And so I just want to rally people and gather people to share their voices to eventually get to the stakeholders, the policymakers, the decision makers, so we can create systemic and organizational change. Um, so yeah, for me, empowerment and participation are two strong keywords. And you can address that through obviously different modalities. That's also where I can bring in my own background of spiritual practices, meditation techniques, movement techniques. I have a dear friend. She has been introducing me to happiness theories, the, the approach of positive psychology, which I love. It's not about just looking at all the things that went wrong, but also enabling people in their strengths. So one part I want to introduce to my photography course or project is photograph things that you're grateful for instead of photograph things that represent your state of mental health. You know what I mean? So there's also a difference in the in the narrative, in the energy, in the approach that you're going to bring in. And so at the moment, I'm still gathering, which is why I still am giving myself another six months, how to fuel empowerment and how to support participation, sorry, participation for everybody engaging in in this platform. Yeah. So that's actually, I think, a, a very powerful form of healing, participation, you know, using your voice, engaging, you know, taking pictures of how you're feeling, because that's acknowledging your emotions, which is what people who are struggling with mental health, I mean, that is the very definition of mental health is our inability to connect with how we feel or to understand how we feel or to voice it, right? So I think the project in itself and I believe this is another, you know, valuable share, which is that we could use our voice. We could use art as therapy. We could use our engagement with, you know, a, a certain community or a certain form of art as a healing tool. And just like we talked about my stylist, or in your case, you talked about how this project helped you to heal from that very bad breakup. I mean, this is exactly what what your story is, is what you are repl replicating for other people in this mm -hmm. project, ultimately, right? You're mm -hmm. giving them something mm -hmm. to focus on that allows them to process their emotions, okay? And that, to yes. me, is, yeah. is the road or the path out of depression. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. Um, giving yeah giving meaning and purpose to your existence and your being has been definitely something that that really helps because at my darkest darkest hours i really wondered should i still be here like what's the point of it anyways you know and i'm sure a lot of people have had that and i've had it too in previous years a long time ago but never to the degree where it felt really like okay this this is starting to feel very scary and just being reminded whether that was through my personal support system that I now have thankfully and I'm absolutely amazed by as opposed to when I was four years old when and or as a child when you know growing up when my when my father passed away it was a completely different story. Now I have agency and being reminded by my support system, by my friends, by my therapists, by facilitators around me that you matter. Your voice is needed. Whatever you have to say is important. It was so empowering. It was even what made me or what encouraged me to really sit with it, to really 
be with it, to really allow myself to feel it all, to move it through and to, yeah, literally alchemize and transmute it into something that can become of service for others. And it's this aspect of being in service that stops making whatever I was going through about myself. And it allowed it to become something that was for myself and for others too. And that process of alchemizing it was where the power was in. I mean, I'm not saying that it's hard to see or to find purpose when you're in the middle of, of your darkest night of the soul, right? I think I also consider myself very blessed for that opportunity and that privilege of having randomly signed up for this course in January and being able to start it. And it was right there when the first wave of depression hit me. So there's also beauty in the alignment of of time and how the universe plays things out, right? Um, and of course, it's not always going to be there for everybody, but there is also a way and there are choices we can make to to seek and to find and to to talk to people and have conversations to come to purpose and need and yeah, facilitate listening. You know, and I want to summarize everything you've said because I was kind of putting it down. I said, wow, this is just, you know, it just makes so much sense and it's all coming together. So we started off talking about sitting through the storm. Okay, just mm -hmm. sit through it as dark as it gets. You know, you will get through it, right? And then recognizing that you matter, that you're important and your voice, you know, needs to be heard. And this is really about communication and engaging And then you talked about alchemizing your emotions, your challenges and making it something, you know, for yourself and for others, something that can uplift other people. So we're actually going through steps right now. That was step one, step two, step three. <laughs> and finally, recognizing that there is beauty in the alignment of the universe. And that's, you know, putting all this together. That's where our power lies. So I think, you know, we just kind of put this entire conversation together in, in these steps. Um, I absolutely love it. Now, Anna, we always do, as you remember, the project Loving Myself tips. So what would be, not tips, the the mantra or message. Mm -hmm. I, was still, I was still thinking about all the tips that you've been sharing. But yes, our project <laughs> Loving Myself mantra or message. So given our conversation today, you know, everything we've kind of touched on, what message or mantra would you like to leave um, on today's episode, which essentially captures the essence of, you know, what we've been talking about, which is mental health. You know, it's always hard to distill that into one one key mantra, right? And I'm sure you've, anyway, <laughs> trying to cut it short. Vulnerability is key and understanding you're human and that's okay. That's a superpower, no matter in whatever state you're in. So, Grieving, allowing to be with all the parts that need to be seen that maybe also didn't get to become will open up new doors to welcome in who you're becoming today. Love it. Thank you, Anna, for that beautiful message. Uh, vulnerability. You know, I just worked with a client today on vulnerability and we think being vulnerable is a weakness. But as you pointed out, it's not, it's a strength because being vulnerable with someone or with others is a choice. It's an empowered choice. I choose to be vulnerable because it is safe for me to be vulnerable. 
Okay. And that I think is something that is a, a very important strength to have is the ability to be vulnerable. So thank you for sharing that as well. Anna, as always, you know, whether we are on the podcast or we are off the podcast and just sitting over, you know, something to eat or having a drink together, you know, our conversations are always enlightening. I uh, completely enjoyed our conversation today and my gratitude. I know you have a little bit of a cough and you are currently in Rome. You're on the other side of the world. And yet yep. you are here to share what you have to say about um, our topic today. So thank you so much. Now, just uh, let us you. know how we can reach you, Anna. How do people find out more about what you're doing, get involved or ask you any questions? Well, you're, you're still finding me on my Instagram underscore Anna Freeth, F-R-I-E-S. I'm currently building my platform. The, it's going to be shutteringstigma.org. Um, the website is not live yet, though. It's going to come with um, social media channels. So just I'm just going to share that whenever we're ready. For now, mostly on my Instagram. More power to you and your advocacy, Anna. Once again, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I can't wait to catch up again with you soon. Beautiful. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.